0: Hey guys, Uh,
1: (laughs) before
0: we start this episode, we just wanted,
1: right now, thank you very much. I need you to go back and listen to our mini-sode. Hey you. Oh.
0: (laughs) I thought you were going to say stop in the name of love, which is also appropriate. Stop. In the name of love, before you listen to James, <laughs> think it all
1: over, okay,
0: but for real,
1: I'm glad we officially know that uh I'm the better singer of the two of us,
0: yeah, we are just the fact that you're singing on microphone is impressive to me. uh, you need to please. If you will go listen to the episode, our little minisode before this, um, because we recorded James Terrell and all of this before current events started happening. And we just want you guys to know we're not being insensitive and just doing another white male artist, uh, in the midst of all this bull baloney, um, not that this is (laughs) just that. Racism is baloney. That's really what
1: I'm (laughs) saying. Toxic chemical flab that you shouldn't have in your life. I don't even like it anymore because
0: I ate too much of it in elementary school.
1: Baloney racism shoved Um, down your gullet.
0: Literally, white supremacy shoved down my throat in the form of baloney and cheese sandwiches. uh yeah so please go listen to that episode there's a lot of really meaningful things that we kind of have a mini discussion basically which is why we made it its own episode it deserves to be its own little episode where we talk about what's going on and, and
1: how we will be moving and forward. How we're move
0: forward and do better and um if you guys are people that care about other people you should go listen to it and. Um,
1: I also want to hear from all of you and how you're feeling during this very tumultuous time. What you're experiencing, whether it's good or bad, what you're learning. So reach out to us on Instagram directly to Olive. And just message me on <laughs> Instagram. She runs it
0: through the podcast. I answer everything. And if you guys have any artists that you would like to recommend. Um, usually we we reserve that for a few Patreons. <laughs> um, but uh we would love to hear if you ha if you know of any amazing black artists. Um we have a list going and we're gonna be sharing them in the next episodes until we fucking feel like it, maybe for fucking ever. Maybe this becomes a black artist uh podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Hosted by white people, which is weird.
1: With a few exceptions. I still need to do my girls, Rachel White, Reed, Sophie Cal. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously more artists, but artists they can wait. But we
0: are committed to really bringing you some some black artists, and we are going to be doing mini episodes with or episodes with multiple artists in them to be able to showcase,
1: uh,
0: like working artists that don't have enough information for a full episode
1: yeah yeah um
0: so yeah even if you feel like there's not that much info on them still send them our way
1: and we love you guys stay well i hope you guys get some good entertainment out of this episode just to take a moment to rest to enjoy this hour to have some laughs uh, and just to feel some overall goodness
0: we were so silly that day (laughs) it was really a lot of fun i haven't felt that was probably the last time i felt really good (laughs) um because things have just gotten sadder and sadder so yeah if you just want like a little break for an hour go listen to james and us talk about santa claus and
1: sandy claus and then get back to the good bite
0: Sorry, a baby dinosaur just came into my room. Hi, baby dinosaur. Okay, tell, tell Shmoo bye, say so you love her.
1: Bye. bye, Shmoo, I love you. Oh, I love you too. You too. You too. You too.
0: <laughs> you like the power of a microphone? Yep. <laughs> okay, uh, welcome to Middlebrow.
1: Welcome.
0: This is our show. Welcome. It's called Middle Brow. Uh, this is my best friend, Lindsay Schultz.
1: And who you just heard talking a second ago is my best friend, Olive Moya. Hello, Moya. Is my name Olive uh, Moya.
0: Uh, Olive, Olive Moya.
1: <laughs> Olive <laughs> Moya. Do you remember Koyana Scotti? No, oh, I don't know. Koyana
0: this is like that should I just keep talking? It's like the time last episode where I just kept talking. Uh, anyway, anyways, this is our so, show. Hi. It's called Middlebrow and we are a mostly contemporary art podcast hosted by completely average human artists. We talk about art. We try to be super super interesting and it's for artists and we're not leaving anyone else out. Yeah. Oh, sorry.
1: We're not exclusive here. Yeah, it's for people who
0: want to know about art. But might be intimidated and only no hotline bling.
1: <laughs> We're not here to judge too much. Just a little You got to judge a little bit. Otherwise, you're
0: not human. You're like one of those floaty human beings that everybody wants to be friends with or to be like. But really. A floating human being? Well, you know, like floaty energy. Like where you're like, oh, I wish I was like that girl. She's so fun and positive mm-hmm. all the okay. time. And like, oh, she just mm-hmm. she'll never talk shit on anyone. Those people, I always want to be like them. And then I'm like, are you dead inside? <laughs> um. Anyway, that's what our podcast is about. <laughs> and in this episode, this one is a good one. I feel like it was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. Maybe it was just a lot of laughter that you might have to cut out, but I enjoyed it. Okay, so we did this episode with Lindsay's partner in crime, partner in life besides me. Mm-hmm. I'm the other one.
1: My my other life mm-hmm. partner.
0: Her real life partner because I'm fake and I'm a, I'm a... What if I was just a... What are those things called in Star Wars? A hologram? Yeah, what if I was just a hologram?
1: <laughs> just my you best friend best computer friends hologram? With hologram?
0: <laughs> what if I was just the paper clip in Word documents? Oh my god. With the big eyes. And what
1: if... George was taking care of me, and I thought he was my boyfriend. He was actually a doctor. <gasps> oh, my God. my, like, illness was seeing you as my best friend. And then I'm talking to you, and then it just pans kind of to the side and back, and it's just a blank Word document with a paper clip, <laughs> and it's, like, a flashlight that's the mic. <laughs> just just Can- recording a podcast. <laughs> hey, George, slash doctor, do you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> he's like sure
0: he has to come in on his off day for three hours to record a podcast with you and your paperclip friend oh my god I feel like this movie should be written it should be written and then be like very serious until the very end when uh-huh. you pan over to see the paperclip and then it's a comedy immediately it's, it's like 90 minutes of a serious intense sch- schizophrenic movie and then the it's a ultimate comedy ultimate
1: dramedy
0: <laughs> uh, so many good ideas yeah, so her partner, George, who is amazing. Yeah, he was great. He picked James Terrell as our artist.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope you guys like James. I learned a lot about... I was doing research and I kept talking to him and I think texting him, being like, I'm so excited to yeah. do this one because uh-huh. I learned a lot more about him then. I knew.
0: Would you have picked him to I put on your list so, at some
1: point? Yeah, I would because he's... Phenomenal, but I didn't know about his range of work so much. So I was a little kind of scared going into it, being like, how am I going to explain an hour's worth of pieces that are all just identical light pieces? You know, yeah. like here's a blue light wall, here's a green wall light, yeah. you know, like that only <laughs> it gets was, you so far.
0: I really liked it. It was great. Oh, so before we jump in, would you please become a follower on Instagram? Because it's I A, I work really hard on it. So she, for does. You, she puts a thousand so images on work. Also, you kinda need it. We're at Middlebrow Podcast on Instagram. Um, if you could also maybe consider checking out our Patreon, it would help so much. Follow uh subscribe and rate and review us.
1: Okay. I think we're good. Yep, um, I think we are. We really hope you. you enjoy this podcast. Yeah,
0: enjoy James Terrell and the famous Joj Wow, well, now I'm nervous all of a sudden. I so know have we someone else watching our conversation.
2: That's literally why I'm having a beer right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was us when we
0: first started recording. We're like, so we can only be drunk. And then we nope. were just falling asleep and drunk. And we were like, okay, now we can't be drunk anymore.
1: <laughs> um, so good what? news, bad news situation. What? What's bad? Well, I think this is a perfect day to do this because James Terrell is all about light and space. And George was really excited about astronauts going into space today, although it got postponed.
2: Yeah, So I've been watching pre-launch program all morning and then 17 minutes before, you know, it was T minus zero when they were going to launch. They scrubbed it. So
0: (gasps) I'm a little bummed out right now. If they didn't, wouldn't someone die? Like, that's usually what happens. Uh, If they're like, it's fine, then someone dies.
2: Yeah. Well, no, they said everything was nominal except for weather.
0: Those things matter when it comes to science. Mm -hmm. Don't mess with science. I mean, I don't know anything about it, but.
2: They said science was okay. Mother Nature was not.
1: Oh, um, you don't want to mess with Mother
0: Nature. No, she's yeah. worse than science. <laughs> she's way more intense. She's like, I'll fucking give you a tsunami. Don't tell my astronaut. Don't, don't put your astronauts in my she's space. She's a little moody. Also, I was hoping you wouldn't even bring this up because I, you were like, it's so important. And I was like, what's happening? What, what's
1: important?
0: I literally don't even know what you're talking about. Why are astronauts going to space? <laughs> don't they always exactly. go to space? <laughs>
1: Okay, do you want to tell her? Is why it like the going? rats in the wall? Okay, do you want to learn why they're going into space?
2: I do. They're, this is the first uh, crewed launch from American soil. Astronauts from since 2011, so nine years ago it was the last time the Space Shuttle Atlantis, I believe, was the last. Space shuttle. What are to they go. doing up there? Uh, they're just going to the International Space Station,
0: like Xenon Girl, the 21st century. <laughs> Yes, yeah. just like
2: that.
1: Yep. <laughs> anyway, so I just thought it was fitting, but we're going to dive into space and light and time.
2: A different kind of space.
1: Mm-hmm. Kind of, but not really. You'll learn all
2: about Ooh, it. Ooh, I'm okay. excited. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is fun. Yeah,
2: okay. Wait, he does space stuff? Like...
1: That's why I told you I'm so excited to present stuff with you.
0: Oh, my God. It makes so much sense that this is the artist you wanted to do. It all comes full circle.
1: It does. Have Uh, you seen his work in person before and often or not?
2: Not often. so when I first came back from Japan, it was one of the main shows that I saw. And as I said earlier, it was like one of those moments when you go to a museum and you just kind of have a, a very visceral.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain
2: it. You know, I felt like I really connected with his work. Yeah. And then I wanted to take it apart and dissect how he mm-hmm. actually built it. So, I was Oh, very, that was not Science. my first thought. Yeah, it was, it was just... <laughs>
1: Physically? <laughs> you wanted
0: to figure out how he did is it? it? Or, That's why it's it fun to look at. You stupid. don't have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a perfect entry into, like, we should say what George does. Can yeah. you explain what you do? Because I think it's going to give a lot of uh, context for everybody.
2: Off and on, I guess I've been kind of toying with virtual reality as a art medium. Because, you know, it's a it's actually a 3D canvas. And it's also a canvas that, like, a lot of people haven't really been able to experience themselves
0: i met him he was like we all went to school together and he was in like a bunch of my classes because i was an illustration and then he was doing like stop motion sculpting stuff and um and then so this kind of definitely seems like a pretty obvious segue for you to go this way and then you let me play with it i'm one of those people that you let me play with it one time vr is crazy it totally your brain is like what
1: (laughs) It's very different to see a video of someone experiencing VR and actually being in it yourself. Mm -hmm. I think it is kind of like James Trail's work. It is something that you need to experience in person and Mm -hmm. have that perception trickery happen to you. For Um, sure. Yeah. Sign George. He he hates social media, but he has an Instagram (laughs) account that he doesn't really use. But some work is on there. So go find it there.
2: I don't hate
1: social
2: media <laughs> i'm very bad at
1: it. he's like an old man who loves Aww. technology and isn't good at it at the same time
0: that's so yeah. um that's so like court like quirky cute <laughs> what's that
1: word endearing <laughs>
0: yeah. anyway quirky, cute. it's cute I'll is what quirky, i'm saying cute. it's quirky yeah. cute <laughs> <laughs> what's the word in japanese <laughs> oh man you should have done someone japanese that would have been <laughs> way <mean>. fun
1: <laughs> kawaii kind which like one candy. is it
0: Oh, did I do it right? Or did I say Tight. scary?
2: Kawaii. Okay. Yeah. Kawaii. That's cute. Oh, That's your okay. Japanese lesson for- <laughs> 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 this is day. James Sherell is 0% hear.
0: Japanese. <laughs> this is,
2: this He's this. actually a cowboy, it looks like. <laughs> Doesn't he look like Santa Claus?
0: <gasps> He's a cowboy Santa Claus. He's
2: like the Desert coolest. Desert Claus. Yeah.
1: Desert Claus. <laughs> Olive, have you ever seen Trails work in person? Did we go to a yeah. show at LACMA together?
0: I have never seen it. I remember going and really wanting to, but I was broke. And it cost like an extra $40 or something. Yep, yep. Or 20 or I don't remember. <clears throat> and so I didn't do it. And I was really sad because everyone else saw it. But And it was in um, Mexico City a while back. And I was supposed to go to Mexico City and I hmm. didn't. So I've just been missing him. I James will one Tra- day, I'm sure.
1: Oh, I get it. You've missed his work. <laughs> You've been missing I miss
0: him. <laughs> I miss his smell and his touch. <laughs> I miss the clawsiness of his claws. I miss his the sand mustache. in his beard.
1: It's <laughs> <Since> your ear. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the tickle of the sandy claws.
2: Is this is what you do with every one of your artists.
1: See, <laughs> <why> like the- <laughs> sand's coming off, Because of he's in the desert. <laughs>
0: Everywhere you walk, it's just a path of sand behind him, like a snail. George, <laughs> have you ever wondered why our episodes take four hours to record? <laughs> oh, I <can> see <laughs>
1: okay, James Terrell. So he was born in Los Angeles on May 6th, 1943.
2: Wait, so he was born right at the in the middle slash tail end of our involvement with World War Two.
0: Was it the Louisiana Purchase still? In this? <laughs> How far? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yep. Did he go in? Was he in World War II? No. <laughs>
1: As a baby. No, oh, he was born. <laughs> <laughs> he was a paratrooper in his little bassinet. Like the Grinch. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> which means he's a Taurus. Which means nothing to me, but Olive... Oh, it means he's... You know
0: what? I know a few Tauruses. He's bullheaded. My right? dog is a Taurus,
1: first oh, of all. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> and my mom. Does that tell you anything? <laughs> Those two mm-hmm. people are Tauruses. <laughs> Feisty. Uh-huh. Feisty and hardheaded. Stubborn.
1: So, his father, Archib- Archibald... Archibald! <laughs> Archibald Milton Terrell was an aeronautical engineer and educator... His mother, Margaret Hodges Terrell, was trained as a medical doctor and later worked in the Peace Corps.
0: Damn, power couple.
1: That's what I said. I said, what a couple. Oh, yeah. I didn't <laughs> even re- <laughs> <laughs> Fail. Sciency, academic, but battering the world through art and education. And then their genes are producing the perfect art baby genes, producing yeah, baby Terrell. Terrell ob- obtained his pilot's license when he was 16 years old, which... Mm. No, they, they make no one bad decisions.
0: Sixteen-year-old do anything
2: during World War II. They said a the majority of you know the casualties were actually like kids who were flying planes and didn't, yeah, really? weren't fully qualified to right.
1: Yeah, I mean the totally the education was so short. It was like fifty hours of flight training and then just oh, off yeah. <laughs> to war. Okay, so he has his pilot's license, sixteen years old. And then he. Wait, lay... what year is it when he's 16? Yeah. So, he, George, born in 43, 16. Uh, 1956. 56. Sorry, right,
2: 1959.
1: Years. Oh. Um,
0: <laughs> we trust him so quickly. We're yeah, like, yeah. you're way better <laughs> yep. at that. Madman years. That's cool. He was 16 during that, which means, yeah, he could drink and smoke and be pregnant <laughs> and do whatever he wanted in that airplane could as well. Be pregnant. He could have <laughs> <laughs> done anything at 16. <laughs> Um, they let kids run amok.
1: <laughs> so God, he's had life. I mean, baby World War II. <laughs> First he was in pregnant. World War II when he was
0: born. <laughs> then he was
1: pregnant. It's
0: I
2: feel like returnish girls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She'll uh, take it all out. Yeah. Every time she rethinks the whole conversation, she takes all the stuff out.
1: <laughs> so later he registered as a conscientious objector, which for everyone who doesn't know, is an individual who has claimed the right to refuse to perform military service on the grounds of freedom of thought, conscience, or religion. In some countries, conscientious objectors are assigned to an alternative civilian service as a substitute for conscription, which is the draft. So he registered for that like a alternative job to the draft during the Vietnam War.
0: That was a fucked up war.
1: Dates are around 1954-55 to 1973-75. Like, the U.S. got out of Vietnam War at 73, but technically it ended in 75. Um, And he ended up flying Buddhist monks out of Chinese-controlled Tibet. And some writers, I saw one guy specifically online who said that he's pretty sure it was actually a CIA mission. So, (gasps) Trails part of a cia operation now he was in the cia <laughs> this isn't made up oh my. from us um but terrell just called it a humanitarian mission but he mm-hmm. was in the cia basically and that he found quote some beautiful places to fly that's all he cared okay, well, about
2: that's definitely like a I just, cia scripted <laughs> well, yes. <Planet laughs> uh, this I feel
0: like this is all you can say. Yeah. Don't don't you dare make art about it. You'll be in trouble. He's like, I guess I have light left. I cannot <laughs> use my experiences. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't own light. <laughs> Super vague. I work in light and space. <sighs> so oh, for funny. years after that, he just restored antique airplanes to support his quote art habit. In nineteen sixty-five, he received his BA from Pomona College in Perceptual Psychology. Pomona? So, yeah. California? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That's right where I grew up.
2: Nineteen sixty-five? Yeah. France says six more years, so he's twenty two.
1: Twenty-two. Okay. Graduated from Pomona College, perceptual psychology. So I thought checks out. Good. So I found this <laughs> <laughs> this really good interview between Sherell and Michael Govan, and he was the director of the DIA Museum in upstate New York, but now he's the director of LACMA. Fancy. He said, do you want to ask the questions?
0: That's
2: fun. So you studied psychology (laughs) when you were in college in the 1960s. Oh that sounds just like him. Govan, it's like
1: you're here. The psychology of perception.
2: When oh, <laughs> people need to be able to see <laughs> <him> okay. <laughs> <laughs> his acting is so good we can't even understand him. When did it make sense to bring that psychology of perception into art?
1: I had an interest in art through several friends. Artist Mark Wilson and Richard White, both of whom went to Yale. I was hoping to get into Cooper Union, which we all know about Cooper Union. For... It's
2: hard to get into, and if you get in, you get a full ride. It's
0: even cooler than
2: I, I
1: was thought. hoping to get into Cooper Union for the advancement of science and art at the time, but was not accepted. So they were very influential, <laughs> along with the teachers at Pomona College, Maury Cope, and in particular Jim Demetrian. Demetrian was very interested in getting males involved in thinking why
0: because males don't have everything that they want; they need to have it all. <laughs> Art no, is for women. The and instruction
1: nursing. and the babies. <laughs> Demetrius was very interested in getting males interested in thinking about art as he sort of attracted males to art classes because he thought that's where the best females were. Oh my. This he totally denies. That denial is perhaps even true, but at least that's what we call... What what we all
0: thought at the time. Good thing thing George and I are looking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what we all thought at the time. So we went there, and what we all thought would be an easy grade turned out to be quite tough. We were sort of seduced into this, and then we actually had to perform and learn the stuff.
0: I don't know how I feel about (laughs) how we got into
1: art. (laughs) Um... Okay, so in 1966, he enrolled in the graduate studio art program at UC Irvine. Here at UC Irvine, he began working with his light projection, so the beginning of his entire career. However, he was coaching young men to avoid the Vietnam draft. So the same year he entered the graduate program at UC Irvine, he was arrested and ended up spending a year in jail for this.
0: He's like, look, I've been in World War II. It's not fun. <laughs>
1: Don't do it. I've been in World War II. I was CIA in Vietnam. <laughs> Whoa, that's crazy, though.
2: I mean, yeah. that's... that's.
1: I didn't know you
0: could get arrested for that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's avoiding, illegal to avoid... the draft, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: but just talking about it? Like, he no, did he it. Was, I mean, he was well, teaching... He was
2: coaching young men to avoid it.
1: Yeah. So I always think about going to jail or prison, because who doesn't? I think about it too all the time. And I think, so the first thing I think is hopefully I would have an in because I have an artistic background so I could do everyone's tattoos really well. (laughs) That would be my like currency, you know, negotiation Mm -hmm. skills. But also I think it would be a fantastic place to get a lot of reading done that I don't get to get. I think of this all the
0: time. Yeah. You are not alone. I think of this all the time. I'd be like, well, if someone just forced me to be in a small room by myself. I have to say, I can't imagine, like, if we were drafted, if people started getting drafted in our lifetime. That just feels, yeah, really not right. Like, I didn't ask for this bullshit war. <laughs> I get it, why people were so mad, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. If you didn't believe in or agree with why the war was even yeah. going on, you'd be like, great. So now I just have to die for your stupid cause or whatever. <laughs> like Vietnam, I think. Technically, if, like Hitler flee to
2: Japan?
0: Oh, do you have dual citizenship? Goodbye. <laughs>
2: yeah, and then they like extradite me because Japan and US are very close. So I'll uh-huh. just be like, yeah, you don't you gotta go
1: back. They weren't in World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> I know
0: so much about World War Two. <laughs> Some good history. There. The whole world was involved.
1: Check out our World War Two podcast after this. <laughs> so Terrell said Yes, we Quakers find war repugnant and do not want to have anything to do with it. More so, we also help other people not be forced to to participate in war. That is anchored in this belief. We adhere to certain essential principles, mainly that everyone has a light in them, and we come together to find that light in us again and again.
2: Wait, so you know that last sentence he said about you know the
1: whole light? Everyone in all has of us? a light
2: in them. And- Mm-hmm. We come together to find that light in us again and again he even talks about like we Quakers <laughs> right so like he's yeah I
1: mean he has some sort of oh you'll be learning about Quakers oh yeah really oh yeah
2: Wait. what
0: I could not have pictured this going any differently
2: <laughs> it's like Quakers tiny and pilots bootstraps. and Pilot Quaker Cowboy Santa Claus. Yeah, Santa Claus. CIA. I write
0: that down. That's the <laughs> everyone is going to listen to this episode just based on that, nope. even if they don't know who he is. <laughs> in
1: 1973, he received his MA in Art from Claremont Graduate University. So I guess he didn't go back to UC Irvine for his MA. And then in 2004, he was awarded an honorary doctorate by Haverford College. Okay, are you ready to get into early work? I'm so ready.
0: He Wait, he kind of honed in on his thing right away. Yeah. While he's in college, 66 yeah. or whatever. He really he's committed to it.
1: this light thing.
2: That's pretty Whereas, impressive. Like,
0: yeah, a lot of other artists, well, like Anasui, for I mean, mm-hmm. took like
1: 20 years or something. Yeah. Terrell's not another good example for us to compare ourselves to.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> good to know. I'll just
1: stop right now. So in 1966... James began experimenting with light in his Santa Monica studio, which he named, quote, the Mendota Hotel.
0: Ew. I don't At the like time that.
1: when the so called Light and Space group of artists in LA was becoming prominent, these other artists were Robert Irwin, Mary Course, and Doug Wheeler.
0: Why do you get all the easy names? And in
1: 1968, he participated in the Los Angeles County Museum's. Art and Technology Program, investigating perceptual phenomena with the artist Robert Irwin and psychologist Edward Vortz. Cool. Vortz.
0: Vortz. That's. Vortz. Sorry, I'm looking at Robert Irwin real quick.
1: Yeah, so Robert Irwin's stuff is a lot of, like, fluorescent, vertical fluorescent lights.
0: Oh, I've seen this before.
1: This one down here, Miracle Mile, that we uh. we always walk past in LACMA. I found this really cool photo at the very end of Robert Irwin and James Terrell in this program. Mm. Down below.
2: Is that baby uh, Terrell?
1: Yeah, I think this is baby, baby Terrell. Baby Santa Claus?
0: <laughs> this is kind of a creepy photo. Like, if they showed it in a murder documentary, I wouldn't be surprised either.
1: Judging on the background, they're in, like, a sound. Yeah, like a sound oh, chamber. okay. Mm. That makes it less scary.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they're just recording.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Terrell says, But you have to remember, when I came into L.A. L.A. was really exciting as this place that was involved in outer space. The rockets were shot off from Cape Canaveral, Florida, and they were controlled in Houston from Lyndon Johnson Space Center. But almost everything was made in Southern California. That optimism of the space race and of aviation and of this venture into the skies really happened in L.A. And it was a time of tremendous optimism. Artist Bob Irwin and I worked on the space lab with Ed Vorts. We did this and we were involved in the training of astronauts. This was quite a heady time. That's crazy. So his Santa Monica studio, um, he put on this exhibition called Mendota Stoppages, which was a series of light works created between 69 and 74. And the work paired these projection pieces, um, like the one I showed you above, um, with structural cuts in the building to create these apertures um, that would project light from the outside into the inside of his studio rooms that he would completely black out. Mixing interior and exterior formed the groundwork for the open sky spaces in his later works like sky space, tunnels, and crater works. His studio, the Mendota Hotel, Mm -hmm. it's now the Starbucks on Main Street in Santa Monica. Oh, that's lame. (laughs) (laughs) Love a good Frappuccino.
2: What happened to... Uh, Andy Warhol's factory in New York City. Is it still oh. the factory or is it <laughs> hopefully <Everything's laughs> Starbucks. Starbucks
0: just <laughs> intentionally <laughs> buys out all the artist <laughs> <this>. studios. <sighs> awesome. so. Well, we'll find out when we do Andy Warhol one day, yeah. even though he's not on anyone's list yet.
1: <laughs> now we're getting into work work. I don't know. This interview was not very long but it's taking up a lot. I know you're
0: really <laughs> getting into it.
1: So he's Govan said, everyone has trouble describing your work in words because it is wordless often, because it's been spoken about and you've spoken about it as making light palpable. But the more time I spend with the work, the more time I really do feel that it is about seeing, Terrell said. It's about perception. For me, it's using light as a material to influence or affect the medium of perception. I feel that I want to use light as this wonderful and magic elixir that we drink as vitamin D through the skin. And I mean we are literally light eaters to then affect the way that we see. We live within this reality we create, and we're quite unaware of how we create the reality. So the work is often a general cohen. Into how we go about forming this world in which we live, in particular with seeing.
2: So he's this is like, like, uh, what is he called? This simulation theory, right? So he's kind of tapping into the whole thing about what is reality—is what we see actually what's out there, or is this just something that you know our brain just makes up the reality and. What we see, yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, I don't know when like simulation theory was Mm -hmm. first introduced. It sounds like he's kind of riffing off that.
1: I didn't want to put just one piece. I wanted you to get a sense of all of his earlier stuff in just chunks. So, I took screenshots. So, here's the beginning of his work from 1967 to 71. So, he works in different types. Like, every every piece is titled, but they're also within sections of the types of work that they are. So, he started with projection pieces, shallow space constructions, and corner shallow spaces. Here's the works. 1967, it was all with white light and different shapes in a darkened room. Then in 1968, he starts playing with color. So there's, mm-hmm. let's list the rainbow again. <laughs> <laughs> red, blue. <laughs> um, so different one color. So it's like a blue pyramid or a red cube or a green square on different walls or corners. So 71 through 70 is all pretty much the same just colorful shapes and then in 1969 he starts doing the like rectangle light pieces at this point unfortunately developers had other plans for a studio building like building a starbucks so he was sent an eviction notice in 1974
2: lame did he not pay rent
1: maybe the building was sold I mean, they obviously didn't build a Starbucks in 74, but when he received a Guggenheim grant that year in 1974, he spent months flying from the Pacific to the Rockies searching for an outdoor site where he could make even more ambitious statements with light.
0: Wow, cool.
1: Let me tell you about his next project. It's
0: in a crater?
1: Yeah. So, this is his most (gasps) intense work he's done. It started in 77 and it's still going on today.
0: Oh, can we go (laughs) after COVID? (laughs)
2: That's massive.
1: It is massive.
0: Tell me about it. What is it?
1: This work is called Roden Crater. We'll take a moment. Watch this video. Start at four minutes.
2: He even talks like a badass. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. That's what I was thinking. He talks like a, he looks like death valley santa Mm -hmm. and he talks like it
2: the crazy thing is like this piece i mean yeah it's still active today but like it's gonna be active for maybe hundreds of years this isn't cg
0: Yeah, it -hmm. doesn't look
2: real looks cg uh like if our civilization is doomed this is the kind of shit that i hope like just lives on and then (laughs) kind of shows future generations like oh yeah they had some potential
0: (laughs) The aliens are like, wow, what is this? Yeah. So one of them was smart. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so is it just a long-ass tunnel that leads to a room and then a different long tunnel that Let leads to another?
1: You. Let me tell you. Is okay. It, it <laughs> so. Like a sundial. Shut your mouth. Your beautiful, beautiful mouth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Rodin Crater,
1: 1977 to now. Where is it? It is... Located in the painted desert region of northern Arizona, created within a volcanic cinder cone. Isn't
0: that just called a mountain?
1: I don't know. I think
0: (laughs) it's just like
1: a type of volcanic area.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I guess if Yellowstone blows, then this (laughs) art piece is gone too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is it? James Terrell acquired the 400,000 year old Three Mile Wide, which is. 4.8 4.8 kilometers for all our Australians. Nope. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> uh, craters land. He has since been transforming the inner cone of the crater into a massive naked eye observatory designed specifically for viewing and experiencing skylight, solar, and celestial phenomena. That's <laughs> so cool. <laughs> He's
0: still making things in it?
1: Yeah. So while his scale is epic, his goal is intimate, to heighten our sensory connection to the cosmos. He says, I want this universe that we are in to become part of our personal space, part of our lived-in territory. I'm looking for a grandeur that does not belittle you.
2: Sorry, I need to interject here just because... Yeah, please do. The astronauts talk about going into space gives you a different perspective because you get to see the earth and actually kind of realize that we're all on this basically the planet the spaceship together yeah. right so you get a much more you know zoomed out literal a literal zoomed out mm-hmm. point of view and you don't I feel like you become more unified because of that mm-hmm. because you don't think about the, the problems are or really how we're
0: separated problem. by country or mm-hmm. culture or exactly. whatever
2: but like he's pulling the cause that that feeling of like the infinite cosmos of like zooming out and bringing it down to earth mm-hmm. for people to experience so they don't have to go out into space which is really that's so cool concept
0: yeah 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 that's yeah. really cool and also how even do you just buy a crater <laughs> yeah <even? laughs> well, let me tell you i guess i'll just fly around find a crater buy it well and he then didn't make pay it into a cr- um his rent <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah
1: he didn't pay his 125 dollars a month he's like, he's like <laughs> i got
0: evicted from this damn hotel so you know what i did i bought a crater <laughs> suck it starbucks <laughs> yeah suck it can't buy my crater <laughs> yeah. there's just three starbucks's inside <laughs> the of the piece crater. you can like stop and be like this is a mile long but oh i can have a frappuccino <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would be the ultimate fuck you from Star Wars yeah. to James yeah.
1: <laughs> He found the Roden Crater, named after an early owner, William Roden, and made an impromptu landing beside it in a single-engine, six-seater, Helio Courier.
0: I'd love to just be a pilot and do whatever I want. I guess I'll land here.
1: He said, it has a very short takeoff and landing, so you can land in the desert without an airstrip. Which is, he was just flying doing that, you know, from the Pacific to the Rockies, came across it and just landed right on next to it. He said, Terrell said, I was coming over the field from the west actually about this time of day, about four thirty in the afternoon in November. And the sun was just about ready to set a little bit earlier in the winter. And I saw the craters in the field. There were two that I sort of looked at and I saw this one. This is really beautiful when the sun hits it in the afternoon because you really get the red and the black, that separation of the two craters from the west side. And it really stood out. The nice thing about it was that it was off by itself, so it didn't have other volcanoes that would be in the horizon when you were inside of it. So I landed out here and just walked up into it and stayed overnight here, just went all around it. And then I went into the county seat, which is Flagstaff, the next day to see if it was owned. And actually, it was privately held. So I thought, oh, I should be able to get this. That's another story. (laughs) (laughs) For only the CIA to know. (laughs) Anyway, that's how I found it. I spent seven months flying the Western states, sleeping under the wing of the plane, and every third night staying in a holiday inn to clean up. And every site that I saw that was interesting generated new work or new ideas. So it was a really rich time for me.
0: And here's him on his plane. Oh, dude, live in the dream.
1: Yeah. He's devoted nearly 40 years and a massive amount of his income to the crater. And he's completed construction on only about a third of his plans. So he's built Damn. these different chambers and tunnels inside of it for viewing these celestial events like the sunset, solstices, solar eclipse, and lunar standstills. Framing them as images worth contemplating every bit as much as a starry night by Van Gogh. Clearly
2: maybe I did not more, write that. Honestly. Is this accessible to the public? Not or, yet. Not yet.
1: Not yet. Soon, maybe. <laughs> Soon he's only a third done. <laughs> yeah. I'll, he's gonna die. <laughs> we'll so the first major phase of construction included the movement of over one point three million cubic yards of earth to shape the crater bowl. And the construction of the 854 foot east tunnel. I'm gonna have a map, so we'll go through each component of it right now. The 854 foot east tunnel: six spaces were completed, and one completed. The pro- like when it's done, done, it will contain 21 viewing spaces and six tunnels. So,
0: does he have a plan for like people to continue this if he does? Die? I mean, he's not a young man. <laughs> he was in world war two and all like how it's a
2: baby in world war two <laughs> so. yeah. like does he have
0: a will for it to be completed with all of the money that's what that forty dollars i couldn't afford was for the <laughs> yeah, crater
1: I could have supported this <laughs> Damn it. so inside that's so crazy inside that's... the volcano different chambers offer different experiences that vary with the time of day weather conditions Many of the chambers are dark, so our pupils open. He says, we weren't made for this daylight. It's in twilight, in the light of the caves, where we see best.
0: Mm, that
1: seems like the opposite of how I see this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Very <laughs> mythical.
1: So one of the most dramatic experiences is the 850 foot long darkened tunnel, which leads to a room with a hole in the ceiling, one of his skyscapes, affording a glimpse of the sky. You know, if you stop midway down the tunnel um, and crank this large lens into place, the entire tunnel becomes a telescope, ah. sending the image from that patch of sky at the far end ahead of you onto a large white marble disc behind you that serves as the screen.
2: Stop it. <laughs> this is like like... Shit that ancient minds built over yeah, thousands of yeah. years, and he's just That's like, That's what it feels like. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm gonna build this temple that does these crazy contraptions
1: a space temple.
2: Yeah, where that it's like is so cool, something you'd find in a video game, right? <laughs> yeah. Puzzles, yeah,
1: and then like, and the, now we're the just boring, just and like, like <laughs> flips into like a video
0: of it. I think yeah. it's fine, you know. <laughs>
1: Although he works in the American Desert, Trail does not consider himself an earthworks artist like Robert Smithson or Michael Heiser. He's kind of like Wolfgang. He's like, I work with nature, but don't call me a nature artist.
0: He says... <laughs> Why is every artist like, don't tell don't, me what I am. Don't label Almost me. every.
1: Or, in Clifford's case, don't talk about me. Yeah, just all. don't talk
0: at all. Stop talking.
1: So he says, you could say I'm a mound builder. <laughs> So specific. <laughs> I don't know if that's what, better an than an Earthworks artist.
2: No, I think he just wants to sound rustic. Yeah. I'm a mound builder.
0: <laughs> if it were said in his voice, it would sound right. There. Yeah. Mound builder.
1: Can you read this in his voice? Go. <laughs> no.
0: That's all I got in me. <laughs>
1: You could say I'm a mound builder. I make things that take you up into the sky, but it's not about the landforms. I'm working to bring celestial objects like the sun and moon into the spaces that we inhabit. I apprehend light. I make events that shape or contain light.
0: I make events.
1: That's cool. So he's basically a party planner. <laughs> he's a. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, party planner for a uh, life
1: well, it's I make, party planner <laughs>
0: you can't have parties as well friends are in the CIA <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will not let it go <laughs> CIA jokes forever <laughs> I selling skyscapes to wealthy collectors at costs up to seven figures <laughs> selling the sky <laughs> it's, the, it's best. the biggest prank yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's such a scam <laughs> These wealthy collectors, it's just like the candy just thing. I'm gonna serious. sell you a bag of candy, I'm gonna sell you the sky. You don't already own it, I'm gonna cut a hole in your house. Maybe seven figures. He's just a
1: window maker,
0: turns out he just knows how to make windows really well.
2: Oh, uh, man okay, no, anyway. but his work is phenomenal it <laughs> not is of course no it's insane level. it's That's amazing why we can talk yeah. It. It's,
0: yeah so we joke we joke about everyone it's okay. not it doesn't matter how <laughs> okay. in fact the more amazing the more jokes because we yeah. feel self-conscious okay. <laughs> okay.
2: it's like a defense mechanism yeah. to feel
1: yeah okay. it is Selling skyscapes to (laughs) collectors (laughs) at cost up to seven figures has become one of the means of funding his work on the crater. Another is cattle ranching, which he famously started on the advice of his local bank. So it was (laughs) nineteen eighty? Yeah. So in nineteen eighty-six, picture it. Mm -hmm. Soviet nuclear reactor at Chernobyl explodes. Mad cow disease is a thing now. Space Shuttle Challenger disintegrates in 73 seconds after launch, killing all seven astronauts on board. The Oprah Winfrey Show debuts.
0: Oh, damn.
1: Okay.
2: Why did you look at that last one? It, just, it helps it was give a you a little, little snippet. It's like everything else is like horrible from Chernobyl to <laughs> Mexico, and, and then, then it's Oprah. Like Oprah.
1: Well, <laughs> we needed
2: something
0: uplifting. Oprah's amazing.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> also, Joe, this is for you. The first Studio Ghibli?
2: Yep.
1: The first Studio Ghibli movies released...
2: Uh that's technically Cats. not the first one. There is the first one was I think released in nineteen
1: eighty four. Oh well this Naushika. list said this yeah. was the first one.
2: Yeah, no that I'm <laughs> very sure it's Naushka in nineteen eighty four. This is the, maybe his second or third. Okay, no, well but a studio a, a,
1: Ghibli movies released. Yes, yeah, Here, you yeah. say it. Ready? Go.
2: Tenku no shiro rapita
1: there you go. Boom. Can you host all of it, like in your <laughs> nice voice that you have? <laughs> so that's what was going on in 1986, okay. and he was trying to assume ownership of more than 600 acres of land from the Dia Art Foundation, which he had, which had been sponsoring his creator Project. So there was some stuff where Dia was like funding this, and then I think after maybe too many years, they were like. They,
0: Look, Look, we didn't know how and intense not And now you're was. a cattle farmer. Not- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: you just want the <laughs> 600 acres for cattle <laughs> <forward>. <laughs> I I
1: think Dia is back, did more sponsoring recently, but I don't know for sure. So Terrell said, the bank wouldn't give me a loan to make art, but they would give me an agricultural loan if we put three properties together as a ranch. So we went ahead and did it. Makes so today fun. he breeds Angus cattle to sell mainly to restaurant trade, and talks about the beautiful marbling on the beef. Man, he has so many talents. <laughs> <laughs> How did one person get so many talents?
2: Parents had the right DNA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His parents. It yeah. was the yeah. could to couple's everything. goals. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He says, "People asked what this crater cost. It cost two marriages and a relationship."
0: Ooh, yeah, I was wondering about that. Yep, I was like, "What about his life mm-hmm. with, okay. if he's cattle farmer slash crater builder?" Yeah,
1: it was not not was great. It, mound, mound builder, mound, mound
0: builder. builder. <laughs> sorry, window maker.
1: <laughs> so early on, Trel announced that the crater would be finished by 1990. Did not happen. Yeah, Funding dried up and his plans grew only more ambitious. So then later, the target was to open to the public in 2000. It was not to be.
0: It was not to be.
1: The last time Terrell or his supporters went on record talking about a completion date. The goal was 2011 when the LACMA show was first scheduled. So as of 2019... Roden Crater is now set to open to the public within the next few years, thanks to a series of partnerships and new funding. Part of the additional funds includes a $10 million donation from Kanye West.
2: <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh, no. Yay,
1: he did something right. <sighs> that would allow the project to expand and open within the next five years.
0: Oh, Kanye. I Kanye-
1: didn't expect that from- <laughs>
2: I, that, that's really out of left field for me. Yeah, that is Kanye. so crazy.
1: Kanye made the no- donation after visiting the site in December. Only a small group of people have experienced the crater, and the new funding will jumpstart the updated master plan, which includes a restaurant, visitor center, cabins, and a light spa.
2: So there's a place like this in Japan on Naoshima or Teshima, I forget which one, mm-hmm. Um, but basically it's called the Benesse Museum and it's a museum with a hotel built into it. Oh, is this the
1: one that we were going to go to? Yes. Where is this?
2: Uh, it's in Japan. It's like on one of the small islands and you can, you take a boat out there and you can stay at this hotel.
1: And it famously has Kusama's pumpkin piece on the edge of the water. Yeah. It's just like this
2: Island with a bunch of art pieces Uh, everywhere. Yeah. Kusama.
1: Yeah. Kanye filmed his movie Jesus is King at Rodin Crater and praised Terrell as one of the greatest living artists.
2: How did, how did I not know this about Kanye?
0: I know, that's crazy. You know what, though? That's totally his personality to just be like, see a thing and be like, ah, so- at yeah. it, you know? $10 million. <laughs> just
1: have it. It's amazing, you know? Yeah. So here, if you zoom in, here's the aerial view. I created this. I did, had to type it all out and create an image for you guys from a screenshot. So, aerial view starting. You really did? Yeah.
0: Damn. That's so much work. Okay.
1: So, starting Thank from you. the left of this image, there's the amphitheater with stage sky space. And then you start walking down the tunnel and you hit the north moon space And then you keep walking, and then you hit the crater's eye and the crater bowl. And then you keep walking, and you get to the east portal. And then you walk down. This is the Alpha East Tunnel. Then you get to the Sun and Moon Chamber. And then you get to the Fumarole spaces. Then this is the telescope tunnel. And then at the end of it is the east space. And then down here by itself is the south space. And then way up here is the north space by itself, too. And there's going to, you know, all these so
0: little those walkways. two you have to walk outside to get to?
2: I think so. I think the this, yeah. The rest are connected yeah. underground? Yep. Just like looking at the outline, it just looks like, you know, a diagram of a cell. hmm Yeah. Just like cell nucleus. I
1: won't go through and describe too many, but there's different rooms, stairways that go up to the open, cutout sky. Um, and then the tunnel...
2: It's like a, a keyhole. Yeah, it's like a a that's exactly what keyhole. I was saying, Yeah, like a yeah. ribbed
1: keyhole that yeah. at the very end, like on one end, it's just the the marble circle, mm-hmm. and on the other end, it's a stairwell up to the circle, which is outside. Right,
0: it's trippy
1: looking. Here's some fun behind-the-scenes photos, which I thought were cool during construction. So building out these like huge spaces oh. and wow. This should be open in the next couple of years, hopefully, thanks to Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kanye. You did something right. Uh, (laughs) 1980. We go back in time. So this one's (laughs) called Meeting. It's a Sky Space series. Mm. And he just said, we think the sky is blue. We forget to realize that actually we awarded its color. So if I can change your circumstance or your context of vision – then I can change the color of the sky.
0: I wanted to see one of these so bad. Is this what you saw? What you guys No, saw? I
1: saw a, a Gansfield piece at oh, like
0: Okay. I've heard these are crazy. We just stare, mm-hmm. at, like, I read someone's talking about it and it was just like yeah. the trippiest. It's crazy.
1: So, Meeting was the second skyspace that Terrell constructed and the first in the United States. It was originally commissioned in 1976 by a PS1 founder. Alana Heiss for the museum's inaugural exhibition and then it wasn't actually made until 1980 and then it wasn't actually seen until the opening in 1986 and in 2016 Meeting entered the collection of the Museum of Modern Art he talks a little bit about Quakerism here so (laughs) Govan says yeah it's interesting how the Quakerism has come through your life in so many different ways the sky spaces are meetings and Terrell says Yes, they are meetings. The first one was named Meeting, a site specific and the installment a PS one. I sat in it and I realized I'm making the meeting I always wanted to see. Because when I was a kid, I used to think about this idea of a convertible.
0: Is a meeting like going to church or something? I think so. Okay.
1: Yeah, they like meet in a room, and I think it's more like a meditation. I believe. So, remember the 57 Ford, which actually retracted the metal roof back into the trunk? That's a little bit wild for a Quaker kid sitting there in meeting, thinking about how a roof comes off. But thoughts go everywhere when you start to meditate. There you go. The first five or 10 minutes of meditation always has these rather fertile thoughts. It's an exciting time, just like when you awaken.
2: Music quaker who meditates or are meetings things that quakers normally do yeah it's, it's a meditation. quaker
0: thing really
2: mm-hmm.
0: i had no oh, idea i I've... thought quakers were like a different version of Me too. christianity or yeah. catholicism mm-hmm. yeah i mean i guess you could describe it's just like how you describe it right prayer is basically yeah. meditation same idea oh right.
2: well, it just shows my ignorance for religion <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> all of us <laughs> So, Govan said, there's a deep sense of light at the heart of Quakerism. I know that from my own high school education at a Quaker school. Truss said, Quakers are called the children of light. That was originally their title in Co- Govan's Govind.
0: a Quaker too? How many Quakers yeah. are in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Two Quakers found uh, each
1: other and had an interview. Govan was
2: the interviewer. He is. He's also a Quaker. Well, he went to a Quaker
1: school. I don't know if he's technically a Quaker, but I
2: think I might be secretly a Quaker.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Govan said, And you talk about the idea that Quakers find the light inside. Sheryl said, Yes, you go inside to greet the light. That's what my grandmother always used to say. Quakers always don't use words like Sunday or July. These were pagan names. So they would never use those words. You go to the first day of school and it's first month, first day. They're crazy people. and <laughs> said, you people. I said, well, yes, I have to say that. I have to admit that. That's funny. Um,
0: only only they can have this conversation yep. <laughs> together.
2: Yeah. You but people. It, it almost sounds like, kind of like, uh, what is what are those uh, special schools where they don't give you, you know, classes with like oh, structure? Oh, Waldorf. Waldorf yeah. School.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I like Quakerism. I was just going to say, I
0: kind of <laughs> like it. I'm down. Yeah.
1: Well, you only know that they meditate in light. <laughs> There's yeah. probably other stuff to it.
0: That's really oppressive and weird. <laughs> <laughs> There's not, <laughs> otherwise, there'd be more Quakers. I feel like. Sure. Here's a shallow spirit.
1: Base piece called razor from 1982 it's like super dark middle range blue with a, a rectangle of light and then the same color blue i don't even know how to
2: explain this it's just like a know. blue
1: wall with a white rectangle, white rectangle
2: cut out yeah like yeah. a very thin rectangle cutout. yeah
0: out. yeah and the only reason white you can light. see it's cut out is just because there's like little streams of light coming from like the corners Mm -hmm. a little bit, or it's a little glowy.
1: A Torrell shallow space is viewed from the rear of a large room in which controlled lighting changes the viewer's depth perception. So how it works is a secondary wall is constructed in front of the back wall, revealing a sliver of fluorescent light by isolating light within a specific architecture the shallow space constructions play with the viewer's perception of space and seem to alter the perception of the room. Now you know science. (laughs) I'm trying to go through and like give an example of every type of his work. So I'm skipping a ridiculous amount of pieces. (laughs) But, you know, so here in 1983, here's an aperture piece called Danae. And it literally just looks like a flat blue screen
0: it looks like a project like a projector that hasn't been like the movie hasn't been put in yet (laughs)
1: yeah yeah Yeah. and they come in different colors it's not for this piece but i saw this on a article which was explaining how it's actually made like blueprints of making it which was cool
0: when you walk up to it can you see that like so when says, you walk close to it, can you be like, "Oh, it's inside"?
2: I mean, if you're at a museum where they allow you to kind of like, I don't walk think you can go enough.
1: that close to these pieces. So I'm I, not sure about an aperture piece. I
2: walked to like you know a point where you can kind of see that there's an inside. Something? I was able to see the LED lights here. Oh, really? Yeah, but it's still like you know, you, yeah, unless you really stick your head in, yeah the piece, you're not going to figure out how it's made.
1: The Terrell space division, which is also called the aperture works, consists of a large horizontal aperture, which appears to be a flat painting or an led screen, but is a light emitting opening to a seemingly infinite light field room beyond.
0: And the color just is like, there's different colors from a color light. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: So this one I really like. It's called Gasworks from 1983 and it's in the group we called Perceptual Cells. And his Perceptual Cell series are mm. enclosed autonomous spaces built specifically for one person to experience at a time in which one's perception of space is challenged by light. So there's an attendant that like puts you on this bed thing and you're on a metal tray and you get pushed into this sphere like you're gonna get cremated <laughs> so it's light and you're in there for 12 minutes Whoa! Um, but it's padded so you should be comfortable for those 12 minutes except for if you're thinking so about badly. if people like have lice
2: it's like a sensory deprivation mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it changes color
1: yeah so it changes colors I have picture there's like a pink room filled one a blue one and a green one there's a video, it actually like pulses light, which makes me think that people can easily get a seizure. I don't know if it feels like that when you're yeah. in it, but so here's yeah. what the description said from like a sciencey guy in the video. He said, it's using something called entrainment. You can take a bunch of metronomes and put them, place them on a table. And if you have them all going at different rates, The vibrations from one to the next will start to make them all synchronize to the point that they're perfectly synchronized. That's the same thing that happens with this device. The rhythm that's happening between your left and right ear is starting to synchronize with the normal waking state pattern in your brain. And once it does synchronize, they slow down. So it's trying to bring you to what's called an alpha state. If you put an EED, on your head, you can see a current state of electrical activity in your brain, and the alpha state is slower. So, it, you go into the state right before you fall asleep, and a lot of people experience this in meditation. So, oh. it's like an isolation forced meditation room. Yeah. You can see a current state.
0: Oh, like if you're looking at the activity of your brain.
2: Wait, Olive, yeah. have you done sensory deprivation? Mm-hmm. Thanks. Oh. I remember
0: Lindsay telling me about it, but.
2: Yeah.
1: It's really relaxing.
0: I don't want to so badly.
1: You haven't done a sensory deprivation <laughs> experience. So <laughs> well, I like, oh,
0: I did that like when I was four. <laughs> in
1: 1996, he did a piece called Celestial Vault, which is part of his Crater Spaces series, which I I'm think is only two. But they say this was kind of like his warm up for... oh.
0: Did he make this crater? hmm oh.
1: So it's a big artificial crater in the dunes of Holland. Kiergdun. Kirchdun. In a Duney seaside suburb, about 20-minute bus ride from the center of town. At the top of one of the, I don't know if this is like a translation issue. It kept calling it a rubble dune. I don't know anything about rubble being a part of this, but maybe just the man-made part of it. So at the top of one of the dunes, a bowl in the shape of an ellipse has been built 30 meters wide and 40 meters long. A wall of earth approximately five meters high encloses the bowl, which makes it sound so much more complicated
2: than it is.
0: It's just a crater. Yeah. It's just like a a
2: crater with like a looks like a lip. Yeah. Right. At Mm -hmm. the very...
1: It's a crater yeah. bowl.
0: Yeah. yeah it's, it's like a cereal <laughs> bowl, but gigantic and filled with grass.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, in order to reach this artificial crater, you first have to climb up the dune of wooden stairs and then walk through a six-meter-long concrete passageway. The slopes on the inside of the crater have been sown with grass, and a monumental natural stone bench is in the middle at the bottom. On which two mm. people can lie on their back and observe how the sky is a vault. So if you look down, here's Ooh. how you get to experience it. It's like his wow. own stone hinge. Yeah. yeah. So when you're at the bottom, you see nothing around you. It's just like you're at the bottom of this grass cereal bowl and you're a little tiny Cheerio and you just get to look up <laughs> into space.
2: That's so cool. In a moldy bowl. Yeah, in a moldy yeah. bowl. <laughs> <laughs>
1: In 1998, here's a Gansfeld piece called Wide Out. And this is just a single color light that like fills the room, basically. Works in which the space or room is completely filled with homogenous light and free of objects. So Terrell said, for me, this thing with the Ooh. Gansfeld pieces in particular, I'm interested in this new landscape, which, which is without horizon. This Landscape Without Horizon is very like IFR flight, which is instrumental flight rules in flying versus like visual flight rules. So it's like flying with sight versus having to use instruments. So if it's like foggy Foggy, or dark, things like that. So it's very much like flying IFR, which you don't enter naively. I've also had to deal with people who've fallen in one of my works because they feel disequilibria.
2: What is that like a fancy word for dizzy? dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> that's what
0: I was just thinking though, that I was looking at those stairs in that photo and I was like, Oh, I feel like I'd fall down those stairs for sure. Cause it just doesn't feel natural. It feels all like otherworldly and stuff.
2: Do you think it's uh, Are we disorienting?
1: Having- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Do you> think- <laughs> I mean, I think that's part of the, the point yeah. being, having your eyes and perception played with, being all in one color, devoid of object.
2: So so, do you think it's disorienting because it's monocolor? Yeah. So if there are two light sources, two different light sources, would it be less disorienting?
1: He says, kind of goes into this conversation here, Govin says, in the Gansfeld works, the viewer enters a space of pure light with no discernible depth or direction early pilots fell out of the sky when they were in the clouds before they had instruments to tell them which way was up. Terrell says, yes, also in terms of disequilibria, it has more to do with vision than with the inner ear. Govan said, it's the brain being confused by vision. Mm -hmm. And Terrell said, this world that we inhabit has a lot to do with the reality we form through vision. So I'm very interested in how we create this world that we inhabit and General Cohen's nudging us into this newer landscape, and the landscape without horizon, without left or right, up or down. I mean, if you take images of my work, they are often printed backwards or upside down, but it's okay. They're the same. What difference does it make? I've always been interested in celestial vaulting. I've been interested with taking out the horizon. So it is a new landscape, this new place that we are headed. And it's a little like cyberspace, but on this idea of flight, One of the most interesting things about the challenge of flight and the plan view of the earth as opposed to the maze of being on the ground is that one of the first things that happen is you can see a hundred miles and you can't find the damn airport because you just don't know how to think in plan view. It's taking your thinking to this other level. This happens in flight and this is what art does. Art does take us to this next level, whether it's aesthetics or whether it's even about common objects or whether it's about the art of advertising or the things that are around us all the time. It takes us and broadens our perspective.
0: I like how everything circles back, though, to like who he is, how he grew up, flying Mm -hmm. his, his parents, and then it's just it's completely shaped who he how he thinks.
1: In 1999, here's one of his tunnel pieces called The Light Inside, which is futuristic looking. Mm -hmm. It's like a walkway and on either side of you are these huge color pieces. So you like walk through a blue tunnel with like, it almost looks like a digital, where the lights are at the end. It looks very like Tron.
0: It's like Tron. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I was just going to (laughs) say. I haven't even seen Tron it looks like Tron. (laughs) (laughs) that trailer really
2: stuck with me (laughs) brackets yeah it does like the one and then like the lights leading into Mm -hmm. it or the it's like a video game it'd
1: be like enter here Mm
2: -hmm. these are the walls
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
2: so it's like a bow tie it's like if you kind of remove yourself from it there's like Mm -hmm. bow ties
1: yeah yeah so this is installed at the museum of fine arts houston and it was uh, commissioned for them, and it's the underground tunnel linking the museum's Caroline Weiss Law Building with the Audrey Jones Beck Building when the Beck Building opened in 2000. And the light inside turns the walls of the tunnel into vessels for conducting light.
0: That's so cool.
1: Here's another one that gets into Quakerism. It's called One Accord created in 2000, and it's a sky space. Can you imagine if you are in any religion that you worship or meditate in a Terrell piece?
2: Yeah, I like, hey,
1: guess I'm part us. of this religion.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all going to be Quakers by the end.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Live Oak Friends Meeting House is a Quaker meeting house located in the Heights area of Houston, Texas. The building features a permanent installation by Terrell known as the Sky Space or One Accord. So it was originally just called Sky Space, but then he started creating so many of them that, they renamed it One Accord. It has been described as an architectural idealization of Quaker testimonies like peace and equality. The skyscape consists of a 12-foot square opening in the roof with a retractable cover that can be opened to the sky. When the roof is not open, a system of hidden neon tubes fills the sky space with blue light. He said, there's this four-square seating that's inside seating toward each other. I have a space that created some silence, allowing something to develop slowly over time, particularly at sunset. Also, this meeting had to do with the meeting of the space that you're in with the space of the sky. So, there, so the sky is no longer out there anymore, but it seems to be brought close in touch with you and the space where you sit. Okay, so I'm going to skip down to AMRTA, AMERDA, 2011 which Is another Gansfeld's piece. Um,
0: wait, are we passing light raiment or whatever?
1: Yeah, raiment,
0: okay, yeah, those are
2: cool though. Yeah, it's just so like factory buildings, it's just been lit. So,
1: it was do you want me to go over it? <laughs> do you go inside of it or do you just view
0: it from the outside?
1: <laughs> okay, should we go over it?
0: Yeah, might as well.
1: Okay, so light raiment of 2006 is his part of his architectural light work. And it's at the Louise T. Blauen Blauen foundation in London, England. So from the outside, yeah, it looks like a fact, like an empty factory that just filled with purple light or green light or whatever you happen to catch as you walk by. Almost like you're in a superhero movie and like they're doing yeah. something kind of crazy in there. And the whole room, mm-hmm. the whole building's glowing. Yeah. The building's, 80 external windows are lit from the inside with LEDs controlled by a DMX programmer, resulting in an ever-changing artwork on the outer surface of the Institute. But inside, there's works created by James dating back to his early career to super recent works. And they're displayed in a ground floor gallery and on the second floor in another gallery
2: space. Yeah, it looks it's like just like so it's different. Just yeah, one big room. You it know, does. One yeah. giant does.
1: But I think rooms. if you look I think oh, each they just window off
0: all the windows. Yeah, I think
1: each window is lit individually.
2: It looks very ominous.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah it does. The green especially is terrifying.
1: Okay so there you go. That's all the information I could find. Okay. <laughs> AMRTA 2011 is a field piece again. And this one so Pretty, it starts feeling very uh, like not real and painterly, kind of. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, These are photographs. Mm-hmm. This is the one where you get dizzy, or <laughs> yeah. your brain
0: is like, "What?
2: What is f- happening?" So I have, I have two, to walk upstairs now. Two yeah. photos
1: side by side from the same perspective. One's like all pink with like purple on the outside, and the other ones when it's blue and it's like light blue and then gets darker blue kind of towards the edges and then you're like on the back
0: the g- of the staircase is glowing.
1: Yeah, and then you're on the ground and then there's a staircase with like a wall handrail that goes up to like the roof or the like the top of the room across from you and then there's a little tiny opening that's a different color.
2: Kind of looks like You know, in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 when Harry dies and goes to the King's Cross. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like
2: this kind of ethereal, you can kind of make out the outlines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Looks like it's just filled with fog.
1: Yeah, everything's like crisp but unclear at the same time. Crisp and blurry at the same time, truly. That's really weird. So there was no details about this at all. So, wow. all I could find is I just Googled what AMTR is or what it could possibly stand for.
2: AMRTA.
1: AMRTA. And all I could find is that it potentially means nectar if this is what he was going for. So, in Indian mythology, there's it's a drink of the gods conferring immortality similar to the Greek ambrosia. So, it comes to be used as a synonym of nirvana as the deathless since one who has attained nirvana has escaped from the cycle of birth and death.
0: I mean, it would fit. Yeah. It's not out of left field or anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So this is the one that I saw and went to at LACMA. It's called Breathing Light 2013, and it's another Gansfeld piece. So you wait in line for about an hour outside and then you get That's in. That's part of the. Uh, they yeah. pay a thousand dollars. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you support the crater. <laughs> so I
1: think if I remember correctly, they bring you into a smaller room, so your eyes start adjusting as you wait. So you're you're in a dark room. You wait, wait, wait. Then you let they let you in, and then you have to go up the stairs, and you're bare or you're in your shoes, but you have to wear those little foot covers, and then you walk mm-hmm. into the light
0: oh, room. Yeah, I've seen so many people
1: originally part of the larger James Turrell, a retrospective at LACMA, the installation is designed to entirely eliminate the viewer's depth perception and contains light that seemingly has no source, colors that have no fixed shade and floating shapes that stretch into infinite. The room is painted entirely white with all the corners shaped into gentle curves so that the depth disappears. The main focal point is a lit pink rectangular orb with its edges and corners non-existent the pieces colors slowly change making it art to experience over time although terrell's pieces are primarily tricks and optical illusions you have no choice but to appreciate the realistic impact of his creations our brains struggling to make sense of colors objects and edges
0: this is a great example of how it works because When you look at just the stairs and the pink square, it looks like those other ones where you're joking look like a production. Yeah, Yeah. where you're just like, cool, it's (laughs) whatever, it's just light on a wall, but you walk in there, which is crazy.
1: Design Boom said, I have to say, I got dizzy in the breathing light room at LACMA and the light in it forced me to my knees. Is that part of your intention? James said, yes, I I tried to create a whiteout situation in this room. This is diffused light where there is no shadow, no horizon. Like, for example, when a pilot loses himself in a cloud, that's just not a nice, pleasant light. It is threatening. It's like being trapped in a cloud. You feel like in a cyberspace and lose your sense of gravity. You feel like you're in a light that you only know from dreams.
0: It is live. I just love it, how he talks about it, and it's so true.
1: Hotline bling. Hotline bling. It can only be one thing. 2015. Oh, God, there's a wasp in here. Did you get it? Yep. And so, despite his prominence in the art world, most people now know him as the inspiration behind Drake's Hotline bling video, which resembles Charles' work, <laughs> but... The director of Hotline Bling stated, any connection between the video and Terrell is merely accidental, says the guy who doesn't want to be sued. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, please, please, please. I don't, don't know me. how you can see this video and say it's just purely accidental, but it looks yeah. like Terrell's work. Yeah. I guarantee you in the art department, it was nothing but James Terrell's photographs. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: Since the release of Drake's wildly popular music video, which has inspired countless memes and parodies, many have pointed out the similarities it has with Terrell's art. Terrell was asked during an interview with post art and architecture critic Philip Kennicott about his favorite Drake song. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like Who the fuck Yeah is
1: Drake?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Watch, he has three. He's like, I know Kanye. Kanye's my friend. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right <laughs> This was before Kanye and him. Um, though,
1: right? Quote This is very interesting because you can think that you have some importance by involvement in the art world, but you know popular culture <laughs> so much more. He honored my work, and I was flattered by that. Actually, I've enjoyed a lot more attention since he got involved.
0: That's funny. I like him more. He's so chill.
1: He said, Drake went through my exhibition. I did meet him in Los Angeles and he was in the spaces that I did do there and has some images from that, but he actually made these images for his CD and that was something he did that I didn't have anything to do with. Rolling Stones accompanied Drake as he visited uh, LACMA in 2014 to check out the Terrell exhibition. He said, I fuck with Terrell. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Drake told Rolling Stone Fancy. he was a big influence on the visuals for my last tour and Terrell put out a statement on his lawyer's blog responding to hotline bling <laughs> that's lawyer's blog claims lawyer's that any blog. connection were accidental he said well, I'm truly flattered to learn that Drake fucks with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm so glad. <laughs> He's such a cool guy. I'll go round up some me.
0: cattle with him. He's the best.
1: I nevertheless wish to make clear that neither I nor any of my woes was involved in any way in the making of Hotline Bling and video. My woes. <laughs> he's so cool oh i love him he said i'm sort of astonished by it i have to say it's humbling that more people have probably heard of me through this than anything else he mulled legal action over copyright but decided it was a headache that he could do without so settled for bittersweet acceptance
0: that was probably smart on his part yeah unnecessary
1: I included Elliptical Glass in 2017 because this is what Joji-san saw. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. So, this is what- This is so different looking. Yeah. So, what he saw and what resonated with him at the time, which is so funny because seeing all of his other works that are so Mm -hmm. space-oriented, I thought like that's clearly what you would have been drawn to. I mean, these are equally amazing, but it's just very different.
2: The fact that he does like- The celestial vault and all the cosmic-related things just makes me want him as a grandpa even more.
0: (laughs) Grandpa Sandy Mm -hmm. (laughs) Claus. So where did you see this then?
2: I saw this in LA. When you're standing there like this. Yeah, seeing this guy
0: helps a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean, you kind of get the sense of like, this just looks like a a digital, weird (laughs) digital hole in the wall and you just think it's a projection until you realize that it's this thing that's been carved out into the wall you know if you look from the side you could see that there's another wall behind it and it's forming that the uh, center
0: circle part
2: yeah it's and then that that outer glow the inner glow of the edge and the and the glow in the middle is just two actual separate planes. Uh, It's hard to explain unless (laughs) we look at a diagram, but it's just kind of mind-blowing. So
1: let me try to explain a little bit. Using the latest LED technology, these elliptical glasses, based on the elliptical orbits of minor planets like Pluto, Ceres, and Eris, are individually programmed and allow for a visual and sensory experience. Each elliptical glass fascinates by deploying the captivating effect of light on a plane surface. The two-dimensional plane transforms into an indefinable depth in which the gaze can lose itself. Facing an elliptical glass, the viewer perceives an elliptical plane of light that, unlike a projection, seems to be dense and permeable at the same time, and that changes its colors in a gradual flow. So the color gradient is reminiscent of an animated atmospheric painting in which colors drift from the center to the edges. At times, a single blue, green, or purple hue floods the plane before imploding into a different color. A new aura-like ellipse forms and radiates outwards in different gradations as the process begins anew. The sheet of glass is set behind a cutout section of wall but is not level with it. A small gap remains a narrow spatial zone that provides an additional dimension of depth. Each of the dominant colors in turn radiates out over the sharp edges of the elliptical opening and into the environment space, contaminating the walls and floor.
0: I'm a little overwhelmed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's the the engineering that goes into one of these things is pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. So how do people buy he doesn't make m- So down people here People can buy these really. See, currently in 2020 here is Kendall Jenner with her new James Turrell in her house. Oh good. So she's posing I... with it all uh, super candidly.
0: is <laughs> <laughs> just off off
1: screen like Talking about his best friend. So the quote is... is,
2: Kendall Jenner related to...
1: Yeah, Kanye's married to Kim,
2: his her sister.
1: Kendall wrote on his Instagram post, This is my happy place. Reading in my home in front of my new James Turrell piece that I'm very proud of. Turrell is an artist I've wanted in my home for a long time, not only for the beauty of his work, but for the purpose. His pieces are meant to be meditative they make me feel calm and help put my mind at ease. So down below here's another piece that we could get installed in our house. For a window in my house. A cool five hundred to seven hundred and fifty thousand oh, dollars. Well, wow, that's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for anyone who wants to maybe see it with a mask on right now, if they're open, his work is currently installed at Pace Gallery in London through august of this year 2020 um through august 14th and it's these new pieces that are like the elliptical glass and circular and things like that
0: this one's cool to see like weird all of them next to each other separated by a wall mm -hmm. and how dark it is compared to the other ones he's been working in the crater for a
1: while (laughs) (laughs) so the different types of work so i can just kind of go through and explain He won't, maybe not read them, but so he separates all of his works by type. So there's projection pieces, shallow space, corner, shallow space, wedge work, veil, dark space, space division, also called aperture, Gansfeld, skylight, sky space, perceptual cells, architectural light, magnetron, tall glass or wide glass piece, crater spaces, tunnel pieces, camera obscura, Window series. <laughs> There's only one in there. <laughs> um, performances, prints, models, and holograms.
0: I wish you would have read that up top before we never saw any of this. We would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs>
1: yeah. space, shallow space. So here's Terrell looking
0: cute. Aww. He belongs in 1850.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he could be president. So oh, yeah, I would president. like for him to be president. Oh there. Yeah. God.
1: He kind of looks like he would have been in the Civil War.
2: Mm-hmm. He was in World War II. That's true. <laughs>
0: I'm so glad we brought that joke all the way to the end. That was the first thing that happened and we brought it all the way So, I mean, can we
1: end on anything but stairway to heaven? No, that's perfect. Or the Smiths. there is a light that can never go out. Oh, that's a good
0: one, too. Take me out (laughs) tonight where there's music and people and there's young and alive. I don't know well enough to do it.
1: Or Mr. Blue Sky.
0: Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to hide away for so long. So long. Where did we go wrong? a blue sky please tell us why you had to hide away for so long so long <laughs> there
2: you go you just got it <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> okay. so I got most of my stuff from the Guardian interview magazine design boom places journal museum of non-visible art R21, <laughs> Hague, art 21 den art 21 culture 24 and the Jutube. Did you learn something about James Terrell?
2: I learned a lot. What
1: was your favorite piece? Oh. What was your <laughs> favorite piece?
2: Um, I really do like the uh, the crater. The both crater pieces that yeah. I did.
0: Yeah, I agree. I really like my first, before you even said that, my instinct was the grassy crater one. Because mm-hmm. it just felt like... What he's doing is tied to nature and space and all these ideas about light and how the world just works on its own. And then he brings it inside somehow. But to put them together is cool.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Well, that's Terrell.
0: Thanks for... Nominating Terrell as your favorite artist. That was awesome. (laughs) Hopefully you learn something
2: about it. What like what's one good trivial information you guys need to add to this episode?
0: From this one? Oh. Yeah. That Starbucks that (laughs) Starbucks (laughs) Something about Starbucks existing in the crater. It's fake information. Everyone starts thinking there's a Starbucks in there. It, happens is all it is what it is. That's time. fake news. <laughs>
1: you don't come to us for facts.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, literally like once an episode we're just like, anyway, don't come here for facts anyway. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so. How does this part work?
0: We just go. Okay, bye.
1: Bye-bye.